it's like, uh, you know, it's been a strange confluence uh, of uh, emotions this, uh, this week past. And uh, I don't know, there's, it's, it's had those bittersweet moments and it's had the, the great moments. You're looking forward to the 80th birthday and some of us are celebrating our birthdays. And just before we started the service today, I kind of got up on stage and whispered into Kevin's ear. By the way, Kevin, well done, buddy. And uh, just kind of whispered into his ear, right, that even our selection of songs, right, we celebrate this incredible and kind of unrelenting, ever-faithful, generations and generations love of God. And regardless of what we go through in life, regardless of where we go, where, we, where God takes us, regardless of what we are going through, the love of God remains that one constant, unchanging, ever-faithful. And so I'm excited. I'm excited for the new series. Welcome back, guys. You know, can someone tell me the series that we're in? If you don't know, it's right up there starting over. And uh, we're talking about dealing with regrets. And uh, letting go of regrets is something that, uh, you know, it's such a, it seems easy to say, but it's been such an incredibly profound feeling to even, I mean, I've been dealing with some stuff and uh, revisiting some stuff, and I'm feeling that sense of, Unbelievable liberation. I was having a chat with Rob recently, and I told him, you know, you know, sometimes you feel when when my kids are little, they're not that little now. I put them on my shoulders. You get into a swimming pool, and and the kids are on your shoulders, and they're kind of wrestling with each other, seeing who can toss the other one off. And do you know that feeling if you're like the one they're sitting on, and you're like, try and keep your balance. And uh, some of the stuff that we hold on to in life keeps us like that, kind of staggering around trying to maintain equilibrium. And I'm trusting that as we continue through this series, that you're going to fall off your shoulders and you begin to stand stronger. Um, speaking of my kids, when, I was, when they were a lot younger, we'd uh, spend a lot of time, particularly my daughter and I, watching these video clips of, how many of you like those funny cat videos and dog videos? <laughs> I, I love those. And, uh, and I'd spend quite a bit of time, you know, just watching those. I had my own dog when I was little. And uh, my dogs have interesting names. Uh, one dog, well, no, some of them are not fit for public consumption. But there's this one dog, Buster, uh, whose full name was Bill Weller with Alage Buster Frederick Trevor Chocker. That was my dog. And, uh, and uh, he had this stuff there where if ever he's unhappy with something I've done, right? And he was smart, eh? He'd get on my back and he'd just rip everything apart. He'd do that. He'd just get up there and just mess it up. And I come back and there's my bed. But uh, sometimes dogs are not that smart. And I just got this little clip here for you. Take a look at this.
starts turning, really, and I love that moment where he's like, yeah. but he can't really get to it. And uh, and we laugh at these moments, uh, but the truth is that sometimes we hold on to our regrets much like those dogs hold on to those kittens. And there's a place we want to go, we kind of, yeah, Lord, I want to go there. And I'm hoping you're not the guy who puts the stick down and then goes through and then says, no, no, I'm going to pick it up. I hope you're not that person. But the thing is this, if you really want to go through, I've been sometimes like that. We can't get to where God intends us to go because we're holding on to those things in the past. We're holding on to regrets. And uh, we do that. We hold on to them and then we get stuck in that. You've been introduced to what is known as the story cycle. And you get stuck in that loop, that loop of just that longing and that desire to be free. But, you know, you come back to that place of regret. And so you keep going around in this circle over and over and over again, reliving this. And last week, last week we talked about what it's like to recognize our past regrets. We, we, we take a step back, we take a look at that, and, and, and we walk into the idea that when we recognize our regrets, it becomes the starting point for us. That place where we get to step through the door, we get to step onto the bridge, we get to step through that gap in the fence, and get to walk in freedom. It means that sometimes we need to look at our regrets dead in the eyes and ask them to get back to us. And yet sometimes this is one of the things we struggle with. We, we used to be David and there was this incredibly powerful visual cue that we had as a beach ball. We used to just keep pushing our regrets down. We tried to suppress them. We tried to hide them. We tried to ignore them. And David was a man much like that. He tried that over and over again. And, and you find that whatever he did, he had done something so bad. You think that, man, I've got to own this one and get out of here. But no, he, he, he had a good friend, a man called Uriah. He was one of his mighty men. He was in the forefront of battle. And uh, David, floating around in the palace roof, takes a look at Uriah's wife Bathsheba and says, hey, I want to be to this action. But uh, so it goes that he did. She ends up pregnant, and he tries everything he can to hide that, to cover it up, but it's there. He feels miserable. And we are often like that. We get caught up in this every day. And that picture is just so beautiful. It just keeps popping up again. And I'm trusting that as we go through this season, as we explore the life of David, as we do this, can I ask you, just open your heart out to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, won't you bring to light those things that I need to deal with? help me to deal with this? Would you help me look at my regrets right in the eye, rather than, like David did, spending so much time, wasting so much time with those regrets in denial? We don't want to be those people. We want to be the ones who take those things, own it. Because David came to that crucial moment when, that, when, the, when the prophet Nathan approached him. He reached that crucial moment where he had a choice to make, cover it up again, and he could have, he had the power to do that, or own it. And there was that beautiful victory moment when he says, my Lord, you have sinned. He says that to the prophet. And I think this again, well, we're going to revisit the scripture, but for now I want to move on a little. Here's the good. We talked about recognizing our regrets. We talked about looking them in the eye. But that in itself is not enough. Today we're going to take it a step forward. There are three things that we have been looking at. There is a regret of action. Perhaps there's that thing you've done, that moment that, you know how it is, you do something and in that moment, this part of you is kind of slapping yourself in the forehead and going, 
because it's not the same. And that, you, you regret those words that come out of your mouth. You regret the thing that you did in that moment. Maybe it's that thing of inaction. Maybe that thought that, you know, you, you listed the regret of something you could have done. The what ifs of life, the, the perhaps ifs. And, uh, and sometimes we live in those thoughts. And then, of course, there is the reaction. The moment when uh, somebody betrays you. Somebody lets you down. beginning of his story and uh, how he entrusted his life to Christ and he didn't continue that story to grow. Have you ever been that person? I'm living with a man who is a recovery. Even though I wasn't that attracted to the idea of, of AA meetings and recovery meetings and the only option that seemed available is I found myself uh, beginning half of recovery in Chicago and I stayed sober and um, a lot of great things happened. My family got back together and I graduated college great. You know, all these good things happened. And I felt very at peace with who I was and where, where I sat in the world. And so I mistakenly thought that those feelings of insecurity and those feelings of being lost and, and all that confusion that I had grown up with was the reason I couldn't drink like other people. And so I thought since I'd solved these issues, uh, obviously I had solved any problems with alcohol or drugs. And I could now go out and have a beer with a, and with a person and wouldn't have any power over so I was probably about four or five years into sobriety um, when I made a conscious decision to do a little experiment and see if I could change it. There were three rules that I set up. Uh, one rule was that I was only going to have three drinks, but I decided that I didn't want to go home with a broken heart. Um, so that was rule number two. Rule number three was that I wanted to make a sports team. So three drinks, no going home with a drinking all the time, um, but I'm not really ever hitting a bottom because I have any strength issues. I have all this stuff. I have all this money. I don't know how long that would have continued on um, had I not been drinking and had I quit drinking. And by tricked, I mean I was drunk, and someone laid out a pile of cocaine, and I did a big Jesus trail, and instantly I knew that it was cocaine. And the thing about cocaine something that I could do. He was open to talk about anything that I could talk about. And I wanted to talk about God. And he suggested that maybe I should try going to a church. So I was out in a treatment center in Oregon, and they would, you know, bus, bus us to church on Sunday morning. So I decided to go with them. And so I ended up taking a trip with the explained that I, I'm not going to live here, that I'm going back home to Chicago, and um, the couple that I was talking to 
said, Paul, that's great. We have a daughter that lives in Naperville. Um, you should probably talk to her. She happens to be a business owner. Turns out she goes to the very church that I was thinking about going and checked out. She invited me to um, to the forum and all these things. So I was excited. I flew over and uh, had her call. But that began me coming back to church. Not only am I not drinking and doing drugs, but I've now found my way back to God. I'm attending church. Um, my career is greatly deeper than ever. Um, I'm serving the Bishop's High School students. And uh, I end up meeting a girl there who is today my wife. Uh, so, frankly, I'm, I'm on top of the world. I mean, things couldn't get much better than, than where we're going. So I forget to pay attention to the fact that even though everything's good, there's still certain things that need to be addressed. And I don't know if I have been Maybe it's a good idea if I order a glass of wine for dinner. Honestly, that was the beginning of a very, very long addiction to excitement and glass of wine and particularly recently wine and food. I found myself at a place that I didn't think I could find before. And story is complicated, but we all understand, we all know what it's like to go through that cycle over and over again. I can long enough that loving my kids, loving my spouse, being content with myself, living that moment, and we know what it's like, and, and that's the point that we have to make, we can't live that moment and not recognize that we might be at the point we want to do something, we want to live that, and uh, as a child, when I was, I was quite curious about the animal farm, and then I saw that my brother had a relationship with that, and then went to his friend. Uh, it was not kind of high-tech gadgets that used to be around now. It was more like this one. So we went, kind of like a piece of tin on wheels, you know, I come in one of those little plastic things that they put in there, and we, and they were like that. Kind of like that, you walk around behind that. And uh, anyway, the point is this, and I, I pulled it apart, and uh, as you can imagine, I, I never allowed my little brother to look through it. I'm not different now. I still like to see how things work. The only difference is now I try to fix it when it's broken rather than try to repair what's happened. And recently, my fridge went out again. I got onto Google, which is what every married man does. Go to DIY sites, get everything works. So how do you fix my fridge now? And uh, go through a whole list of FAQs and things that you can ask and what might be wrong until you hit upon the right thing and voila, my fridge works again. And uh, our lives are a little like that, mismatch, but mismatch, signal that something's wrong. They tell us something's wrong when we're seeing the exact opposite. And so today what I've done is I've got a few questions, much like those ones that I found on the internet the other time, that will help us to work through this and then to recognize and take the next step to release these things. So here's our troubleshooting guide for regrets. There are four questions here, the first one. Question number one, do you regret hurting someone else? This is perhaps the hardest and normal thing to say from me. I'm a guy who's uh, often, uh, I, I kind of suppress things. I, I hide things where I, I kind of go, I deal with it. And, and so those emotions stay 
pressed down inside me, they, they're there, and inside, I'm, sometimes I see them, and uh, after a while, it seems to go away, and I feel like I've dealt with it, but then something happens that triggers it, and all that pent-up rage, that pent-up frustration, that pent-up anger just comes out of us, shaken others, and that's part of what this guy was telling me. Also, that night when he wanted to follow Michael, the doorway Anadol gave just that before that moment, and they get caught on fire. And those who have practiced have that habit also. The thing is this, when we have that grip, we dump that. We stay in that place that I've created.
with the reputation of your parents. This is the prophetic word. Read the record. Pay attention. This movie, uh, Unbroken, tells the story of a young uncle named Joel. He moves back to Haiti from a Haitian family. Um, he was 26 years old when he was introduced to one of the gangs. Spent a few couple, a couple, I think a couple of days out at sea, and uh, captured by a Japanese criminal crew after spending three years, and subjected to the most horrific torture. I watched that one scene where he comes to grips with a six-foot kind of piece of wood, almost like a beam, and he's kind of got folded up bunkhead, and uh, and this particular guard, Watanabe, says to one of the others, "The thief drops that." Hold that up there for 40 minutes. 40 minutes and hold it up there. Unbelievable torture. I was just smiling. I was just looking at this and thinking, I can't believe that they had to fight like that in this time. But it was amazing. It was utter torture. When they were set free, the young believer gave his life to the Lord. And he decided, I want to go back. I want to forgive my ancestors. This one guy, the cruelest of them all, he was never executed. In fact, he came out of hiding. His own mother thought he was dead. He came out of hiding only when they declared that he was not. They lived as a, a neutral on charity. He never repented. He only went to jail. He never confessed his sin. And so that day we couldn't actually meet him, but chose to forgive him anyway. And sometimes that's the reality that the people that we want to we, we choose to forgive don't want to actually release us. But it's our responsibility to go there and say, look, I forgive you. We don't want to walk around with that baggage. And the person who wrote the book, Unbroken, and which the movie is based, writes this. He says, Laura Hillenberg writes this. At that moment, when he chose to let this guy in Watanabe go and forgive him, at that moment, something shifted speedily in him. It was forgiveness. rid of that anger that we felt and chose to forgive. And I'm not hearing that sometimes we don't want to forgive. The truth is that we want to be with the Lord. We don't want to walk around like in that situation still carrying this thing. We want to take it and we want to let it go. Let me forgive you and let it go. And it's a childish thing to say, let it go. Because sometimes I, I know this. I know this to be true.
I don't say it to make sure that you can say, okay, Dave, I should think that I have to go to church. Dave, I should think that church is pretty irrelevant to me. Okay? You often relate the door with that step. You don't want to relate that door. So we're going to pray for you. And I don't trust you, Dave, to do this. I trust you to do this. I don't trust you that you make that step. Don't relate that door to me. break bread together right now. I want you to recognize that, that even as we give and receive, one of the things that I love about uh, Elod is we want to start to have this together. I encourage you that now. I want you to think about this, that even as we do that, what is represented is that the body of Christ is broken here. It is broken that our brokenness can be dealt with. He was broken, but we don't have to live with that sense of brokenness. He was broken that we can bring our brokenness to Him and allow Him to heal us. This is the start of worship. And it's not just a worship. It's not worship just for a few minutes. It's not just of what you're doing here. Regardless of what regardless of what you've done to someone else, regardless of what you've done to me, regardless of your sense of guilt, we get to start walking. And I want you to do that right now. Even as we think about that music system, even as we celebrate that, the redemption that we walk out of this time, I want you to sing about something you love to worship today. If there's something that lies heavy on your heart, don't walk out the door still carrying it. Okay? Maybe a ministry team up here afterwards, going to tell you, you really helped me pray through that. Come on up. But right now, before we take these elements and we celebrate, regardless of what you do, enjoy that. Allow God to wash that in you. Okay? Recognize what you learned right now. And today, as you write it down, release that to Him. Release that to Him. The Scripture says this for us. You don't have to live with that sense of guilt. You don't have to continue in that loop. Because we have just go right to the Corinthians where Paul says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. There it is, the new creation. You can enjoy that newness. You can let go of that step and walk through the door. You can get through the door of freedom and forgiveness today. Don't need to carry that regret even for a second longer. Because it's come to you. This bread and this juice represents this step right here. Let's 